this is what I don't get. Why are there people who are so obsessed with telling other people when they can be excited for what seasons? I've never understood this. Why are there people who get so angry that people are excited for Halloween in September or excited for Christmas in November? And then everybody's, ye- everybody's, everybody's like, yelling. Why do you care? Who, who, who feels the need to gatekeep seasons? I know. That's why I'm like, I don't see the motivation there. Enjoy what like, you enjoy when you enjoy it and leave everybody else alone. Like, nobody's coming over to your house to put up decorations. Like, just leave people alone. Let them do what they're going to do. I mean, that does sound like something me and the Smithy would do to you guys. Oh, yeah. You would totally, you would totally Grinch us. Yeah. Yeah. Or reverse Grinched. uh... (laughs) Wait, how would you reverse? You would put stuff at our house? Yeah, we would put decorations up at your house. Why would you do that? We would already have decorations because they would be up from the previous year because we would have been too lazy to take them down. (laughs) (laughs) So so what we call being Grinched is basically any prank, which we almost never do, but we We talk talk about about it a lot. lot. We talk a big Grinch Um, game around here. We really, there's been so many times where me and the Smithy are like, you know what we should do? We should go take all of their furniture and put it in their garage and leave when they're out of town. The reason you don't do those is because that would be exhausting. It Why would, would like, like, it'd be exhausting for everybody involved. Yeah. It's not worth I'm it. I'm really glad that um, uh, your follow through is not as strong as, yeah. as your, uh, as your, well, our, not talking. our ideas are we're we channel Winston too much they're too big I was gonna say you got Winston level energy there <laughs> it's too much it, well when you first said seasons my my brain was on tv shows my brain was in tv series land because I just watched the wheel of time trailer drop and that's why I was late yeah, that's pretty much all you want to talk about. I can tell, but I can just read it in the your body energy. It's all I just... want to talk about. So we're gonna. I'm gonna just like um, take over this episode. It is no longer about what we said it was gonna be about. It is now all things Wheel of Time. You're welcome. All right, I'm gonna just head out. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> My dad actually asked me the other day if I had um, read that series, and I said, Nope. It's a lot of books. And they're making a TV show of it anyway, so I'm just going to wait for that. But I'm I'm glad that you're excited. Uh, is it coming out in December or is it November? Longer? November. Um, oh, so it's like right on the pre- – like it's it's coming out like in weeks. Yeah. See, I can't have just said that I watched the Wheel of Time trailer drop and then you say it's coming out in weeks because time travel is a thing and technically uh. no – well, well, it will be out in weeks. I mean, I guess it really, if you think about the definition of the term weeks. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. I know. I'm correct. It's time travel. You're, yeah. It's a, and, and, and semantics. Yeah. Well, I mean, whether it's yeah. two weeks or eight weeks, I'm correct. Except that like the eight week, it's depressing. I want it to be two weeks from now, now, not record, like launch now. I'm glad you're so excited. I know what it's like to be like deep in a book or a fandom and then be like, it's happening, people. It's happening. Mm -hmm. It's very exciting. Exciting times. Welcome to the Act Break Podcast, where we're talking about all things story. From books to movies, shows, and probably other stuff too, we're chatting it out and trying to remember what it's like to actually have conversations with other human beings. Take a break from your creative endeavors and hang out with us. Have a little simulated human interaction, because internet friends totally count. Listener warning, today's episode we will be discussing the King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. The opening of the episode will have some non-spoiler details about the way in which the book is written, and then we'll head into a very spoilery territory, which we will pre-warn you about if you're interested in listening up till that point. Welcome back!
like everybody. Yeah. I don't know why I did it that I way. I really liked that. Thank you so I'm, much. I'm embarrassed for myself. Don't be. I really enjoyed that. Yikes. <laughs> I'm Carly. I have no energy. But what I would really like is to channel the level of energy that Reese Witherspoon has dancing with a handful of cake. What's funny is you say you have no energy, but I can see you're still humming. Like you have a lot of energy. I have more energy than I usually do starting out. But I have also had caffeine. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Are you just going to say enough about me? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say all right enough about whatever. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie and I just want to give up writing and read for the rest of the year but I'm not gonna do that I'm just saying that that's real that's a real want I I hear that so the topic today is the King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss and that includes the books The Name of the Wind released in 2007 A Wise Man's Fear which released in 2011 and the novella, The Slow Regard for Silent Things, which was released in 2014. It is an incomplete series that we love anyway. <laughs> and we, I firmly believe that one day it will be complete. As all the fans die inside while, they, while we wait. It'll be worth it. It will it's be worth so it. worth It'll it. It'll be worth the wait. I believe it. And, it, and, if, and if you pushed it, it wouldn't be as good. It's true. Yeah, so the story of the Kingkiller Chronicles, I, I went to Goodreads and two notes. One, Goodreads updated and now it looks different. Oh my. Two, the description for the book sounds nothing like what I would describe the book <laughs> as. Interesting. So, yeah. I'm going to give like a brief summary which I know we're like, it's there's not going to be any spoilers until a certain point, but it really depends on what you define as spoilers. Right. I, if I'm like, I don't want to know anything about it. I don't read back covers. Mm-hmm. I don't watch any trailers. Like, not of everything, but of certain things. things. I, like, I literally want to know nothing. Yeah. If that's you, you should exit. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. But I'm going to give just like the bare boneses of what I described the book as. Did you just say boneses as in you were going to say bones and basis and then you merged them? The bare bones. I love it. Okay. The series is the story of Cloth, our protagonist, the journey of him becoming a powerful arcanist and seeking out information on the deadly group that murdered his parents and their found family of their traveling performing troupe. That is like that's like the basically the, the least amount you could possibly say about it. Yep. But I think that's that's great because I think that that gives people a g- very general idea of what to look for, and then obviously it just gets way into the weeds because it's about so much more than that. But that's a that's a good place to start. Like many many moons ago, when I was dragging. The Smithy through a Barnes and Nobles. He picked up this book and read the back of it and said, "We should get this book. This book sounds really cool." So I had I hadn't even read the back of this book when we started. Yeah, um, but we got it on Audible because we like to listen to books together because we're old people. No, I, I like that. Um, it's very enjoyable to listen to stories together. It is. I had been seeing it around Instagram. And a couple of people that I like trusted their opinion on other books told me that I like had to read it. And so I just it was like one of those like I've been hearing about it and I bought it because I'm super interested. But then I was really nervous that it wouldn't live up to the hype thing. And then you started reading it. and You're like, it's living up to the hype. Just pick it up. And then I did. Which is so funny because it's like it had that much hype 10 years after it came. Right. Out. Yeah, I mean, it, we're, we're, we're hyping it right now. And how many years later is that? And there is a lot to unpack. This first book I have is uh, 661 pages. I don't actually have a physical copy of the second book. I'm sure it's also very long page lengthwise. These, I believe it is longer than the first. You have the trade paperbacks. Yeah. What's the pa- the page count on the first and then the second? The first is 722 pages. 
the second wise man's fear is um 1107 so we're gonna talk about this but it's like obviously there is a lot there's only so much we can cover guys but we'll start with just talking about the uh book details as not story related no spoilers um, just elements the, the, the less spoilery side and the more technical writer reader side yeah elements that we enjoyed elements that are there i know eloquent Um, eloquent i'm real good i'm real good you're you're welcome you're welcome for having me the most notable thing about this epic fantasy is it's one of the only epic fantasies i can think of that's told in a first person narrative i don't remember if it's all of it or just the certain portions of it so the these stories are a um they're they're called a frame story and so at the beginning it opens up on Quoth or coat as um he is older and he is telling the story of his past to other people so in those sections it is in third person and then once he goes into his story, it is first person because it is him telling the story about himself. So in the frame sections, it's third person. And then in the storytelling, it's first. But then with that structure, it ends up being about 80 to 90% written in yes. first person narrative. Yes. Which you don't see super often in epic fantasy Correct. just because – um usually you're following multiple people it's really hard to or... jump back and forth between characters if it's told in first person yeah um but you don't have that so much because this is a personal story of one man yeah one man's life um another notable thing is that this because of him telling the story of his life um, a large portion of time is spent when he is much younger and usually there are not quite so young protagonists in adult fantasy so um, I find that interesting because it's um, like basically from childhood even though the trilogy if we I mean we're assuming that it's that it's a trilogy is completed uh it covers just like a real like lifespan it's not just like this short journey he's taking it's like his from cradle to grave situation yeah so at this point obviously the story isn't completed but if you think about it in this light most books that we pick up and read are a story in someone's life this is the story of someone's life. The other parts that I think about heavily is how heavy it is with mystery by withholding information and details. So a lot of um, the book in many different parts, especially right at the beginning, you're like, I don't know why we're here or what we're doing, but I'm intrigued. And where it's like, it's not a mystery novel, but not knowing and getting all the answers right when you want them it it really creates that air of mystery and intrigue and I think that he did that really well agreed it's it's a book for having patience with this is not a tear through it I mean maybe you will but if if you're not used to a slower pace sort of thing, this is a this is a take your time, savor it, which it's uh, to me I found very easy to do because the prose is so rich and poetic. It's beautifully written. Um, it he's so immersive with his world building and um, and again the poetic prose. It it makes for a whole experience just reading it. That was the, my next point too, as I agree, it's the the beautifully poetic nature of the writing. Yeah. It really um, draws you in. When I think of epic fantasy, I usually think of more adventure. But with this one, it's very flowery in a good way. The prose are very um, like eloquent and melodic. Maybe not 100% of the time because nobody can write that 100% of the time and nobody would read it. But just enough. Yeah. It's just enough 
And I even have a couple of quotes written down. Is there any other non-spoilery thing we could say before we Um, head into the deep spoiler zone? Yeah, I would just say to readers who are considering picking it up, give it a shot. Um, I have talked to so many people who, based on everything that they've ever heard told about this book, felt like there's no way that they could like it because all of these things are not usually their cup of tea when reading and they liked it. So it's one of those books that I think it's worth stepping outside your wheelhouse to give it a shot. And I'll add that when we first started listening to it, we were skeptical. I think at first we're like, I don't know if I like this narrator. It seems kind of weird. Once it hit a certain point, we were hooked. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it took a second for us to really um, be sold on it. And now we've listened to it multiple times. So if you're a uh, audio listener, reader, keep that in mind as well. Okay. So we have officially reached the point in our podcast where there be spoilers ahead because we can't hold ourselves back anymore. I've almost spoiled multiple things. <laughs> so I have a couple of quotes oh, that yeah, I wanted please to read. Sh- share them. And it kind of gives you a glimpse into the poetic writing of the book. Mm-hmm. And the first one, which speaks to me so deeply, is I am no poet. I do not love words for the sake of words. I love words for what they can accomplish. Mm-hmm. There's a second half of that where they talk about math, but I don't really care about that part. <laughs> but that, I, I've i always really enjoyed that um, reference because, yeah, it's just beautiful. One, it's beautiful. Yeah. Two, it's how I feel. Yeah, I love that. And the other one... Uh, I saw is it's like everyone tells a story about themselves inside their own head always all the time that story makes us what we are we build ourselves out of that story so many deep nuggets of Patrick Rothfuss commenting on humans mm-hmm. us humans <laughs> thanks Patrick yeah, much much like Brandon, we refer to Patrick by his first name. We're going to be friends one day. I feel it. Now that we're into the, the uh, we can say whatever we want because we've already warned you. You probably have read the book or you don't care. So, so here we are. I feel like most really good books do this to me and I start reading and I'm like, I don't know what's going on and I don't know where this is going And then something happens and my brain goes, okay, this is what the story is going to be about. And this, this book is one of those books where I was just like, I'm really confused by the whole setup. But once we got to the point where it's like, oh, this guy's going to tell his life story. So that's what this book is going to be about. But it takes a while to get there. I was sold immediately. Um, I loved the prose and I was just like, I don't care what this is about. I'm in. <laughs> like, it doesn't it doesn't matter. I'm I'm in. I'm enjoying it. And I just. Yeah. So Chronicler shows up. He's been seeking out uh, our protagonist who's in hiding, um, trying to keep a low profile for reasons. And we're not 100 percent sure why he's there and this is going to lead into a couple things I've noticed one is we get a lot of information just by the name of it it's called the king killer chronicles Mm -hmm. right (laughs) so we're like well at some point king gonna die (laughs) ironically in the description that I read on the goodreads it says like he's in hiding after killing some blah 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 king and I'm like I've read all of the books multiple times, and I have no information about that. Yeah, I think that that's either inferring or based on maybe something Rothfuss said in one of his interviews. Which is, like, really weird that they would put it in the description of the first book. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. I mean, obviously, I guess we can infer that he's in hiding for some reason. Yeah, and that's, that's what you infer from reading the books. I mean, I get it because they are called the King Killer Chronicles, so it's not like that's a spoiler. 
But at the same time. But the information we're given in, in the, the books that we have been received, in the literature, it's not there yet. Other than that description, though, if you just read the books, like me and the Smithy always say, he's in hiding. We're not 100% sure why. We don't know the events of that. And also you notice that he doesn't have any magic. And as you learn more about Clove, you realize that he studied magic. And so you also infer over time that something has happened that is now impeding him from these skills that we knew he had at some point. So there's a whole bunch of information that we're like, we know these things, but we don't know why. We don't have all the puzzle pieces. So we have to keep listening. So we have to keep reading. We have to know more. And that's <laughs> how Rothfuss gets you. And then he pulls you in and then he gives you more information that you have more questions about. And then he answers just <sighs> enough to keep you invested. And then he raises more questions. <laughs> Which is really just, just the sign of a good writer, mm -hmm. you know? Just keep what reeling a, you in. What a jerk. It's <laughs> our favorite jerk. He's, uh, I guess you could even just say Cloth, not just Patrick Rothfuss, is long-winded and likes details. <laughs> he really wants I to feel tell like you every little I... thing. Well, how is Chronicler actually getting all this right. down in this amount of time? Well, he has a special shorthand. Um, yes, magic. Yeah. Pat created Cloth in his own, uh, in his own image. <laughs> Image. I was going to say, I'm looking for a phrase and I, it's not coming to me yet. Pat created both in his own image, for sure. I get that it's about cloth. It is. But my plot brain says, well, it's about the Chandrian. Mm -hmm. so the, the group of big, bad, evil doers have come and wiped out his whole troop and killed his parents and he narrowly escaped. And basically that's one survival is close motivation in life as a child and like an orphan. But his like his deep need is to avenge his family. Mm -hmm. Even though they had talked about him going to the university before his family died. I feel like he mostly goes, one, from his own curiosity, and two, because he knows that's the only place he will be able to find information on the Chandrian. Yeah, absolutely. The main question is, who are the Chandrian, and what does that mean for this world? Not just Kvothe, because there's so much mystery surrounding them. And yeah, all of this other stuff happens, but all of this other stuff happens in his pursuit of this knowledge. Yeah. So yeah, all of this interesting stuff along the way, but you could say like his life goal is to figure out what happened and who these creatures are and beings, whatever, and avenge his family. There, there isn't a lot of information out there on them. So he's having to dig. And so he has to live his life in the meantime. And that life has been very challenging for many reasons. I mean, he lost his family. He is poor. Like, he has to work so hard just to get the tiniest bit of money. And then it goes so fast. It, it's a whole process, too. And I think he did a great job of, like, phases like he had the phase where like he had just lost his family and then where he was like living on the streets and starving to death and then like finally getting to the university uh because it is such a personal story about clothes sometimes it's easy to forget that something way bigger is going on in the background of this world there's like some great evil that's a brewing mm -hmm. and it's kind of funny that it's like on the back burner of your of the whole story because this story is about cloth. And I think that that's so intentional though. Yeah. And that's another thing that's interesting about the the idea of this being a trilogy and waiting is because Patrick Rothfuss has even said like I just tricked everybody into reading a three book prologue. So the idea that this is that this three book series that's taken over 13 years, the idea that that would just be a prologue is like soul crushing. 
<laughs> because I'm like, are you telling me that at the end of the third book, we still won't know what's happening in the world in the background? <laughs> and it makes sense. I'm like, there's no, there's no way we still have so much to cover. There's no way it'll be done by as then. it is. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I am. I understand why it's taken him so long to give us book three because there is so much he has to unpack and condense and tie up all of these knots for us just in book three. And uh, yeah, like you said, there that won't even get us through the meat of what's going on in the world as a whole. I, I genuinely can see this building up to like a prologue. We're being like, okay, now that you know all of this, here's the, here's the, here's the stuff. <laughs> We're going to be we're going to be 65 70 years old waiting for the release of the next Patrick Rothfuss book. <laughs> um I I would say that at least I would see it being seven books. Yeah. Just from the pace that we're on story-wise, I would hope that it would be like f- 5 to 7 books. Yeah. I I couldn't see it being anything less than 7. Like just with like I watch some of the interviews that he does. Yes, he could shift his pace. I don't think that'll happen. Um, so I mean, I guess it could be six because if he does like a trilogy after the trilogy, then yeah. But uh, I could not see him only writing two after the King Killer Chronicles. You know what I mean? Like it would really depend on where Cloth's life left off in the third lab by the end of the third book right i i'm just going based off of how i know patrick rothfuss likes to write things so i'm like i just based on what i've read and his interviews i'm like there's no way that man can only write two more books after this i mean granted unless he dies and then we'll have a whole uh, robert jordan situation on our hands well you gotta think too (laughs) pacing wise if let's say optimistically the next book gets released in two years uh the last book was released in 2011 then he's taking an average of 10 years to write one yeah we better hope he wraps it up as fast (laughs) as possible as much as kvothe is a genuinely caring human being he is a 15 year old boy and he is very smart and he's a bit arrogant and he butts heads with certain people especially an even uh, exponentially larger jerk uh ambrose and so that's like his uh his nemesis and i i enjoy the dynamic of all of the different kinds of interactions he has with people in in the university yeah it's a very rich world the world building is probably some of the best world building in epic fantasy I've seen just because I know that there's so much history and backstory and one of the beautiful things he does is because uh, the Adima Rue are storytellers you get a lot of old folklore and old tales of uh, long dead heroes and, and that sort of thing and that's that's another place where uh, Patrick Rothfuss really flexes his beautiful prose mm-hmm. But yeah, because the the world is so rich, the character, like all of the characters and the interactions, you get a lot of diversity in each of those. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know the fact that there's these myths and legends and stories and songs, you can tell he's put so much thought and effort into the history of his world in order to make it feel like it is alive and you can make inferences based on what someone is saying in conversation because you know something of the history which is what you can do in Mm. real life because that's Mm. how we all do things we have conversations with people and based on all of the information that we have gathered in the past we make an assumption based on what somebody says because of all this information we know and um, Rothfuss does an amazing job at completely immersing us in this world so that we can function in it as much as possible just like we would in our own world and we can read into what people are saying not just based on our knowledge in our world but because we know we have so much knowledge in his world and we don't even like the tip of the iceberg 
Um, so how do you, I, I, if you're done talking about like story elements in general, I, w- I was curious if we could discuss your thoughts on Gvoth the character. Yeah, we can talk about that. Um, I like Gvoth. I, I see what you mean where it's like, like he does have an air of arrogance. He is naturally gifted uh, and that brings with it like a, a certain amount of probably thinking he's better than everybody else the thing that's interesting about the whole like i i can outperform every other person and it's easy to get arrogant because he can outperform mm-hmm. every other person like he and he knows that about himself and that doesn't bother me I don't know. He gets into certain situations and you, people are like, you're just a little punk. And his wit is so quick and he he always knows the right step to take to get to what outcome he wants. Sure, that brings arrogance and maybe one day then he'll misstep. And that even happens in several occasions with uh, speaking to like the heads of the university where he's like pushed it too far now I'm gonna have to pay for that uh so I feel like it's pretty well balanced between wins and losses because there's always consequences and ooh, which makes me think of something that happens right at the beginning before his family even dies there's that there's an older guy that's kind of his tutor and Cloth, being Cloth, even young and arrogant, whispers some words and basically missteps and binds his own breath to the wind and it starts to die because he's done something he does not understand just because he knew he could do it. Yeah. And that's like a very early example of his arrogance getting him into trouble and then having immediate consequences. Yes. And so I, I like, I get the whole like he's arrogant thing, but I'm like, yeah, but he always pays for it. I like Cloth. I, I really like Cloth in the bar. Like when he's like old, we call him like old washed up Cloth because he's been through so much, but he's, and he's just really tired. He's really relatable <laughs> at this point, you know? He's just really tired with life and everything that's happened to him. Yeah. I also like both. And I agree with your assessment that a lot of people that have problems with him are seeing that arrogant side. But then it seems as though they are not looking at the consequences that are happening. He he gets consequences. He gets expelled eventually because of where he is at the bar and he had to rename himself. Um, and that's a whole thing I want to talk about later. Um, there is a series of consequences to his actions. Well, and it's kind of crazy too, because there are all these things, like you said, like eventually he gets um, expelled. It's like, that's not even a part that we've reached in the book yet. Those are just facts we know. Yeah, It's so weird how many things we know happen. We don't know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's interesting to me. I I could see where people don't just don't like him. And that's fine. Like that's a personal preference. I, I do lean a little bit more on the side of sometimes he gets on my nerves because he is arrogant. But then, like you said, there is always there's a consequence. There's something comes around that doesn't pull me out of the reality of like, this is the real world. Like, stuff happens there is an equal and opposite reaction if you act like a jerk somebody's going to act like a jerk back or somebody's not going to want to talk to you anymore or like you're going to get in trouble with your superiors and there it it feels real enough that it doesn't bother me like in the way of like well I'm not going to read it anymore because I don't like him it's I'm going to read it and see what happens because he feels like a real person because sometimes real people make missteps and they have things happen to them because of that yeah and really who likes a protagonist that's perfect because other than that arrogance there's nothing wrong with clothes like so he had to have a flaw and that's his flaw. Yes, exactly. And then and that's what makes him real. It works so well with the storytelling. 
Patrick has taken his arrogance and woven it into the consequences of the plot so well that without it, the story wouldn't go anywhere. Yeah. So the the push-pull is is fueled by our own protagonist. Right. Which is really funny that you said, like, the push-pull because that the magic, the sympathy. and Oh, yeah. The, the way sympathy works. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about – let's – we could talk about this for a long I know, time. We, so could... we gotta start getting to the nitty gritty <laughs> yeah. of the different things we wanna talk about. Okay. I wanna talk about Denna. <sighs> okay. Because I just want to this is my one negative critique of the the book as a whole. Because the character of Denna, she's written and portrayed in this like she's supposed to be like the ideal and she's very written as like she's not like other girls. <laughs> and she's super boring and <laughs> she just I don't see what Claude sees in Denna honestly okay so think about I I don't like her either I at first was very irritated with the way that she was written as well but then I started thinking about the fact that both is telling a story from his own perception. It's his mind, his memories, his thoughts. It's not an objective person looking at her like a person with flaws. It's a man reminiscing about a time in his life where he's talking about his first love and he was 15 and he was infatuated, like obsessively infatuated to the point of I, I don't know if you've ever met people like this. I have met people like this. They cannot see a person's flaws when they are infatuated with them, like at all. I agree with the thought of that. But my thing is, if it is from his perspective, like, why don't I like her more? If he if he was describing her, shouldn't I like her more? Because you <laughs> can see, because you have your own thoughts and you can look at it and go, dude, you should not be into her. She is not good for you. She is not a good person. She is manipulating you. She's got some whole sinister thing going on. You can see it because you're a smart person. And he is a child who, and that's another one of his flaws, I think, is he he is super smart in so many ways, but his interpersonal, not so good. She's not very interesting. She's just kind of flat. There, and so what's the um, fella? We really mm -hmm. like Fella. Yeah. She's one of the uh, students. And we're like, why? Fella's way more interesting. Right. Which is, which to <laughs> me is, to, I mean, granted, I do see that there are some issues still with the way that Rothfuss writes women. So I'm, I'm hopeful that he will work, that will be better in book three. But just like you said, we like Fella way better, which means that like he can write somebody interesting, but I think he's made a choice with Denna, a specific choice that and that I I'm hopeful that it, he will reveal he does make good on so many promises that I do believe that eventually he will make good on that promise to tell us why Denna is the way that she is. Well, I think that especially in the second one, I see why Denna is the way she is. She's trying to survive especially with learning how like she's just I'll, I'll learn any instrument I'll do what it takes and all this so I, I understand her character I just like I said I just don't I'm not I'm not a dentist I am mm -hmm. not either and I think it's purely because Kvothe is looking at her through this blinded obsession and he can only see certain things and so she doesn't look like a well-rounded person because he doesn't want her to be and so that's that's my opinion on that I think that there's something it's not just that she is not good for him. It's that like I think that there is something sinister going on with her like for the overall plot. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, moving into book two, my I really like book two because my favorite sections are when he he leaves to work for is it a mayor like this he works for this guy and he goes off with this group of misfits and that's when you get like he gets to know Tempe and then he goes back with uh, him and he learns like this whole 
um, like swordsmanship, apprentice thing. That is all gold. I love all of that. Major Wheel of Time vibes there with that whole like learning the different sword and the yeah it's a whole thing um it's, it's, it's one of those uh, um, like kiss. where they get into traveling and yes different journeys it's the adventure side of epic fantasy that I always I'm like yeah let's go let's go new places and learn new things agreed all of those are my favorite as well although I will say I was so surprised by how much I enjoy when he is at the university and doing his research and and playing around with the the sympathy and creating things. I am not a science person like at all. And I thought that that stuff like if it was told in the third person, I think that that would bore me to death. But because Rothfuss is so good at telling you things through a character's like actual personality it made it so much more interesting, and I ate that up. Nom, nom, nom. It's interesting that you say you're not a science person because I don't really think of that. I thought that much more of like a magic system in a world. Like It is a magic system, but it feels very sciencey to me because of how specific it is. It's, it's really what I end up struggling with with a a lot of hard magic systems is when they get super technical it makes it feel like science to me and my brain wants to shut it off because I just am having a hard time that they have to tell me exactly how it works and I'm like give me just enough I'm more of a soft magic person don't get me wrong like I love me some good uh hard magic but if you spend so much time trying to explain it to me, you've lost me in the story and I get frustrated and overwhelmed. So, but I mean, Rothfuss doesn't do that at all. Like he takes his time with it, but the way that he goes about it, which is I think the benefit of him telling it in first person, because if it had been told in third person, I think I would have fallen asleep. It, it's just what it is. Yeah. Um, it's okay. the voice. Do do we even want to open the can of worms that is the opinion surrounding Kvoth being our coat Kvoth being an unreliable narrator? I don't really have any comments on the matter. <laughs> that's I mean that's totally fair. I mean if you have tell me. I have I mean, a few things. They, so there's this whole line of thinking that Kvoth is an unreliable narrator and therefore you can't really trust anything that he's saying. That leads into a few different problems with the way that the story shakes out in the end because that means that Kvoth is a manipulator and he's manipulating people. And so that automatically I think drops a lot of people's like esteem of him because they're like, well, that's kind of messed up. If he's if he's trying to manipulate us, then why is he telling us all of these things about himself in a certain way? Well, that goes uh, into that quote. We all have a story. We tell ourselves about who we are in our heads. And now he's telling everybody that story because he wants people to see him the way he sees him. Exactly. And then there are some people that are like, I don't see it. I don't see it at all. To me, if someone is telling a story in like this way, they are an unreliable narrator. Why? Because people only tell stories based on their perception of the world. They they are going to choose to leave things out and to emphasize certain points. Now, is he an unreliable narrator to the point where we can't trust anything he's saying? That remains to be seen. But I do think that if if he is that unreliable, it's going to be very difficult for Patrick Rothfuss to tie things up well. However, Rothfuss has said in interviews, we have to get used to the idea of Kvothe not winning. Whatever that looks like, obviously, he's in defeat right now. I don't know why people think that he's going to have a sunshine ending. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's, that's kind of where the argument is coming from in... uh that they want things to be tied up well. And I don't think, I think that they will from the standpoint of like Patrick's skill, but not in a clean and happy way for folks. Yeah. I feel like maybe uh, with, with the whole unreliable narrator thing, we might have to do a whole episode on that because I don't really get why people are like, well, he's an unreliable narrator. So maybe he's lying to us. And it's like, maybe he is. 
and this is that's just part of the story. I don't know how to describe what I'm trying to say because it like seems in- it seems like what you're trying to say is that people are saying it like it's a bad thing, like you shouldn't enjoy the story because he's lying, and you're like, why not? Why can't we just enjoy it for what it is? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, kind of like that where it's just like unreliable narrator is just another way to tell stories. Yes. Like in Fight Club, everybody's like, he's an unreliable narrator. You can't believe anything he says. It's like, well, he didn't really know what was going on. He believed what he said just because it didn't end up being the situation doesn't mean that he was lying. It means that he told you the information he had and he was wrong. Right. I've never deep dived into like what the very technical term of unreliable narrator is, but most of the time I hear people talk about it, they're not saying good things about it. Yeah. And I'm just like, but that's just part of it. I agree. I just get interested to see what people's like opinions are surrounding it, but I enjoy it. It is. It's a storytelling tool. If you don't particularly enjoy it, I guess it's just like any other trope that somebody may not enjoy. That's fine. It's a personal preference, but leave it alone for the rest of us. (laughs) And I agree that if he's telling a story about himself, let me offend some people. I have everybody tells what I call stories of their own greatness. And and they're stories in which you've done something impressive and then you're going to paint yourself the hero of that story. Everybody does it to different degrees, yeah, male or female. And that's just part of what Cloth is doing. He's telling a story about how great he is. Granted, that's what he was asked to do. Exactly. That, And so I think maybe some people have an issue with it because they're like, oh, is this the premise of the story? Like this guy just telling of his own greatness eh, and thumbs down, which is fine. Well, like if it's on. not for I'm you, in move it. along. I know. I'm in it too. But I wanted to say this quote from... Patrick Rothfuss is, talks about you have to be a bit of a liar to tell a story the right way. And so, listen, folks, we're writing fiction, all of its lies. I don't know who said it, the lie by which we tell the truth. Albert Camus. Yeah. So, folks, like, this is what we're in for. Like, we're all in it for the lies, okay? Don't pretend that yeah. you're not. There are a lot of fan theories about a whole bunch of different parts of the book. And there's still like at least two things I want to touch on. One is Ari. We didn't even talk about Ari. (laughs) I can't believe we almost forgot. The little girl that lives in the storm drain. The under thing. She lives in the under thing. And the slow regard for silent things, which is the novella released in 2014, is solely um, about Ari and told from her perspective, I believe. Yes. It's in third person, but the tone of it feels like you're in her brain. Um, So if you loved Ari in The Name of the Wind or were intrigued by her, you should definitely read it. It was so good. Mm -hmm. And then people have fan theories about who she is, Mm -hmm. and it's very interesting. I think absolutely Ari is a namer. Yeah. And she's very, very gifted namer. Yes, she is. But... um, Oh, she's so mysterious and wonderful. I love her. I know you've mentioned that Cloth is like 15, but like by the end of book two, he's like 17. Yeah, you're right. And, and so, and she, I think, I think she's older than Cloth thinks she is. I think so too. I don't think that he, he ever says specifically. And so I yeah. think everybody it's imagines. kind of Yeah, it's a perception. Everybody kind of imagines their own version. But she's one of the things that I'm most interested to see what happens with. Yeah. Because I also feel like this whatever's happening in the background of the world and the big bad, that she could be a, a vital part of, of understanding what's. That. Yeah. 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 Agreed. And then the other part. that I find incredibly interesting is when Cloth speaks with the Cathay. I forgot about that. And the Cathay is a tree that knows all of time, (laughs) that that knows everything. And they say that just speaking to the Cathay, it's like it uses you as an arrow to point you at whatever it wants you to go to. Any interaction with it is bound for devastation, basically. 
And Cloth is like, I'm going to go talk to it. <laughs> right? Which is why I'm like, this story is not going to end well, you guys. But I'm here for it. Just that whole concept. He spoke to the Cathay. Bad things are going to happen. The one thing that I would like to to say about all of the unpacking of, of the things that is one of my favorite things that Rothfuss does other than, you know, his beautiful prose and all of these things that we, you know, most of us enjoy. I really enjoy the fact that he writes things on purpose. Everything is so intentional. And I think the point is to spark deliberate conversation around these things. That's why he leaves this air of mystery with things and I know some people complain that he's withholding but he gives us just enough to get us talking and it's just such a cool thing I like the air of mystery I like the not knowing and and this is one of the only books I can really think of where it's like I know all these things happen I don't know how I'm still gonna read it Mm -hmm. that's magic he's got his own form you know that word Um, magic um, so Kvothe has no magic mm-hmm. currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep, 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 yep. and wh- 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 why, why, why is that? That's, it's, I think it's because he renamed himself and in a system of magic where names of things are super important, suddenly he has a different name and suddenly he can't do magic. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. I agree. That's what uh, we we also came to that conclusion. And to share the Smithy's information, uh, he believes that one, he he renamed himself. And then two, he forgot his real name. Mm. And that's why he can't because he tries to do sympathy and doesn't do it. So that's why he can't get his magic back is because he doesn't know his name he's become so much of who he is now that he's forgotten who he was or, or he, he just can't, can't find, find it, or, it yeah I, I i very much relate to and smithy calls me a namer because the names of things are so very important to me and it's very specific and they talk about in the book like how incredibly specific like to know the name of the wind to know the name of a rock like it, you have to know something so completely and because he doesn't know that side of himself completely he can't refine his name yeah it's a thought that's a whole thought i like that we could probably have a whole nother talk on this and we will five ten years from now when this third book comes out <laughs> yes yeah it'll be a good time but today the times are over well, this has been fun. Thanks for joining the ramblings on the King Killer Chronicles. We just scratched the surface on the richness of that world. And uh, now I want to reread it. I know. I was going to say, I'm going to reread it. If anybody wants to chat about it, hit us up in our DMs. You can find us at the actbreak underscore podcast on Instagram. Yep. Well, you have a wonderful week. Yeah. And you we too. will talk to you next week. Bye, Internet friends. If you enjoyed our podcast today, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It really helps us out and makes us feel like we're not just screaming into the void. You can also follow or subscribe, tell a friend, share us on Instagram. You know, all those markety type things. But most of all, come back next week. We'll be here, Internet friends.